Well, good morning. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love being out in nature. I, I just love seeing what God has made. I, I love the fact that there are so many different types of trees, for example, and plants and, and the animals. I absolutely love standing on top of a mountain and looking out and, and, and just feeling the awe of being there or standing at the edge of the ocean and listening to the waves, and it's all reflecting to me the glory of God, hiking through the desert, that's a lot of fun. Standing on a glacier, all that God has created. I even like the dangerous parts of what he created. Had I had more time, I might have joined the team that was looking for that 15-foot python. They say they can go about 13 miles in a day, so look under your seats. Just kidding. (laughs) Everything, though, about creation reveals something about our God, even the dangerous aspects of it. Now, we're not like some who worship creation. There are a lot of people that when they're out in creation, they just have this sense or this feeling, and they think, oh, this is God. No, no, God created these things, but we believe that he has revealed himself through these things. God has given clues about what he's like through the things that he's created. And so in the Old Testament, for example, David said, the heavens declare the glory of God. Heaven just shouts about his existence and we can learn some things about God or as I've quoted often in Romans chapter one, Paul said, for God's invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world being understood through what he's made. We understand a little bit more what God is like through the things that he has made. That God's nature reveals God's nature. And we love that. Now, I recognize that these days and in our culture, more and more people are having trouble believing there even is a God. The statistics don't look good. More and more people are are kind of abandoning that notion that God even exists, even though it's revealed throughout creation. And there are several reasons why. I think some of the reason that Ben even alluded to the idea that there's injustice or things in this world that that are just wrong or evil or natural disasters. People wonder, well, if God truly is all-powerful and if God is truly all-loving, why doesn't he do something about it? And I've had people tell me, I can't believe in a God that did not get involved in this situation or that situation. When God doesn't act in the way that we think he should act, sometimes people walk away. I think also a lot of injustices in this world and atrocities in this world have been committed in the name of God or in the name of religion. And so I, I could understand why some people would say, I, I, just, I just don't agree with the, the concept even that there's a God. And of course, then others point to the fact there are so many gods. And every religion thinks their God is the right God. And it's just easy to throw up your hands and say, I, I don't know what's the truth, but to walk away from the whole thing. I am convinced, though, that there is a God, and not only that, I am convinced that it's the God that's recorded through the pages of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Today, we're gonna begin a new series called The Story of Us. It could have been called The Story of God, but it is our story. It's it's the story of how God intersected with humanity in the pages of the Bible during the summer, 
We want to talk about God's plan from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, and what God had in mind. And each week of this series is going to begin with the letter P. I can thank Josh for coming up with the alliteration. This week in the series, I want to talk about God's purpose in creation, especially his purpose for creating us. Then we're gonna talk about the problem that came into the world. It's a problem we all have to deal with, a problem we have to address. And then we wanna spend the next two weeks after that on, on God's solution to this problem, a promise. A promise that he revealed not only through prophets, but he revealed through people. As different ones came on the scene, it was the unfolding of God's plan, the unfolding of his promise. And then we'll move to the promised one himself, Jesus. And after that, the people of God, which is the church. And then I'd like to talk about the physical return of Christ. We believe Jesus is coming back again, and then the last week will be on paradise, or the end of it all. Where we'll spend an eternity with our God if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now today, again, we want to talk about this purpose in creation. And my main takeaway is that we really matter to God. I want us to walk away today understanding that of all that God created, we matter to God. Now the story of creation is found primarily in the first two books of the Bible. Genesis chapter one and chapter two. We read that God in six days created everything and and on that sixth day, the last thing God created was people, and I believe the people are the pinnacle. But let me take a little bit of an aside before I jump into this too much by making the point that I realize that a lot of religions believe different things when it comes even to creation. And ancient civilizations have their own creation stories. And if you go online, you'll see they're, they're fascinating stories. Some of them are quite fanciful, they're really interesting stories. And you realize all the ancient civilizations had, had a creation story. And then we've got our Bible, and it says, well, no, it happened this way. And part of what I hope we'll learn throughout this entire series is that we can really trust that the Bible's the Word of God and that its depiction is correct. But I wanted to mention that part of the reason I think that the Genesis account is the correct account is because it was recorded by Moses who spoke directly to God. Now let me explain what I mean by this. None of us were around when God created everything. I wasn't there. I know I might look old to the younger folks. We weren't there, none of us were there. So how do we know about creation? How do we know anything? Well, somebody would have to tell us. And of course, every religion has to answer the question, well, where did it all come from? And so Moses recorded in the first five books of the Bible, he, he tells the story how God created everything. Now, my point here with talking about Moses is this, that God spoke to Moses in the presence of about two million witnesses. You see, Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt and they came to this mountain and God called from heaven to Moses and everybody heard it. And God spoke to the people. The original 10 commandments were spoken by God. It freaked them out. It freaked out the crowd. In fact, they said, please don't let God talk to us. You talk to us, Moses. And so Moses went up on top of the mountain and he heard from God and, and he was given the law of God and, and he recorded for us 
the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But my point is that a lot of people heard it. A lot of people confirmed it. There would be no nation of Israel if these things had not happened. And the miracles that Moses performed proved that he was indeed God's spokesman. And so when Moses writes about it, I tend to want to listen. Now, this is in contrast with other religions. And I don't want to attack other religions here, but most of the holy books that are out there, most of the other religions that are out there were penned by one person who made a claim. And so they claimed something like, well, I came across these golden tablets that God revealed to me. Of course, no one has ever seen the golden tablets except the guy that said he saw them. And if you look at the different holy books that are out there, you realize they were written by one person and nobody could confirm it. And then you look at this story and you realize two million people stood on that mountain and when Moses said, this is what God says, they said, I think you're right. And then I get to the rest of the Bible and I realize the whole thing is written under similar circumstances, 40 different authors, 1,600 years of history, one book. And they always talk about the same God. He's exactly the same from Genesis to Revelation. The description of humanity, it's the same from Genesis to Revelation. How we get right with God is the same from Genesis to Revelation. I spend a little time on this because we want to spend the summer in this book. I want to lay out God's plan, but I want us to have some kind of assurance to say that this isn't just, just opinions. Our faith is it's not just blind faith. It's, it's based on some real facts that back it up, and I have come to the conclusion it's true. But today, I want to talk specifically about the creation of humanity. Again, God created everything in the first six days, but finally, he created Adam, and that's where I want to start the story because I want to make the point today we really matter to God. In the story of us, that's the starting point. We matter to God. Why don't you follow along as I read in Genesis 1, beginning in verse 26, where we read, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They'll rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Skipping ahead to chapter 2 and verse 7, we get a little clearer indication of how God created Adam. When we read, then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. This is the story of us. Now, what do we learn from this story that demonstrates that we matter to God? Let me highlight three things. The first one is this. The reason God created us was to have a relationship with him. I'm convinced that that is why we exist. Why did God create people? He was looking for an eternal relationship he was looking to love. It's the nature of God to want to love, and that's why I think he created us. And from the verses we just read, we read that he created us a little bit differently than the rest of creation. He created us in his very image. We 
You were created in the image of God. Verse 26 again, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Why? So that we could communicate with him, so we could have a relationship with him. Now, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? Well, it certainly does not mean that we obtain God's eternal attributes. For example, that God is all-knowing. We're not all-knowing, we never will be. That God is omnipresent, he's everywhere at once. You'll never be everywhere at once. That God is all-powerful, you'll never be all-powerful. There are certain things that set God apart. That's not what is similar to our Creator. That's not what it means to be in his image. And it certainly is not his physical characteristics because God is spirit. So what is it? I think it's the stuff that makes us people. It has to do with things like a mind, will, and emotions. It has to do with things like morality, our sense of right and our sense of wrong. Our ability to communicate at the level we do is part of what it means to be created in the image of God. A scholar by the name of A.P. Ross puts it this way, being in God's image means that humans share, though imperfectly and finitely, in God's nature, that is, his communicable attributes, in other words, the ones he shares with us. And these are some of the characteristics, life, personality, truth, wisdom, love, holiness, justice. And so, we have the capacity for spiritual fellowship with him. That, that is my point. God created us so that we might enjoy a relationship with him. And this is something, again, that's a little bit different about our faith and the faith of other religions because a lot of religions have God creating the world and then leaving. Like, I, you know, create this thing over here, it's time to go create something else. But in, in, this, in this story, it's not that way. In this story, the God who spoke everything in existence is soon seen speaking to Adam and Eve, and he's walking in the garden with them. I have a study Bible, actually commented about this. It said this is distinctive from other ancient world religions that had myths of creation involving a creative word but did not tie that act to any subsequent history. In the biblical text, the God of history who interacts with his people is the same God who spoke the world into existence. The very God that said, let there be light, and let there be animals, the very God that spoke those into existence then began to speak to humanity and he still speaks today. And he wants to speak to us today. This is the nature of our God and it sets, a, sets him apart, sets us apart as people who can have a, an ongoing relationship with our creator. By the way, if we ever doubted whether or not that's really the heartbeat of all of this, consider the cost that God paid to send his son Jesus to die for us. Jesus became man, took on flesh and blood, entered, human, entered the world in the form of humanity, and then, of course, he died in our place and for our sin. So through faith in him, this relationship could be restored. That's what it's about. And it proves that we matter to God. And so the reason God created us was to have a relationship. But second, second reason that demonstrates to me we matter to God is the way in which he created us with tender, loving care. TLC, 
It's different. The way he created people is different than the way he created other things, isn't it? The other things he spoke into existence for when it came to Adam, he got his hands dirty. I mean, I think literally. He, he knelt down, got the dirt, formed Adam and Eve. It's a remarkable thought, but think of the love and the care that was involved with that form of creation versus everything else. And so in Genesis 2, 7 again, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. It's right there. He breathed life into Adam, and the man became at that point a living creature. The word that's used, by the way, to say he, he fashioned Adam, it was a word that's used elsewhere in the Bible to describe the work of a potter. A.P. Ross explains it this way, the word form describes the work of an artist. Like a potter shaping an earthen vessel from clay, so God formed man from clay and was made by divine plan. Another scholar by the name of Matthews writes, the crown of God's handiwork is human life. Now, I believe that the way he made us communicates our value. Very much in this sense, I won't ask you to raise your hands, but I'd be curious how many of you would prefer to get a gift that somebody made versus one that they bought? Now, I like gifts no matter what. So you can buy it, you can give it. But the ones that are special, the ones that mean a lot are the ones that are, are handmade. I went to a wedding not too long ago. It was the last weekend that I missed here, and I was at a wedding of my niece, and my daughter painted something, but it was more than a painting. She, it was like a craft. It was like a 3D painting. She painted it, but she put some other things on there. It was beautiful. And she presented it to this couple as the, 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 the thing that people would sign, but it looked so beautiful, no one wanted to sign it. She was having trouble getting anyone to want to sign it because the thing was so beautiful, but it was supposed to be the record of all the people that came to the wedding. It was gorgeous, but it was, it was handmade. And I don't know for sure, but I suspect it was the gift that the couple loved the best. It was just beautiful. It was handmade, and people are handmade. Before my father passed away, he passed on to me something he'd been holding for a while. It was a, a craft that I had made when I was like five. I made it in vacation Bible school. I remember I used to love vacation Bible school because we, we'd have a craft every single day and that was my favorite part of it. But one day, we were all given a big lump of clay and, and we formed this clay into about a four by six oval that was about a half to three quarters of an inch thick, and then we pressed our hands into that clay, and we baked it, and then we put a glaze on it, and we baked it a second time. I love it. I, I look at this thing, and, and my, my hand now is bigger than the whole thing, but I look at that little hand that I pressed into there, and, and like this is, I just love it. And there's a, a hand that's been pressed into the clay by God himself. I like the way David puts it in Psalm 139, he said, you knit me together in my mother's womb. He was part of that creation at the beginning. David understood God was at work crafting something wonderful that became King David. And it's how God works in us. And by the way, 
God didn't just create us in such a special way, but when you put your trust in Jesus to be your savior, you become a new creation. And I think this is part of the idea. It's like creation was wonderful, but a new creation is even, even better where you become something new. The spirit of God comes to live inside of you. I mean, you were special before. Every person is like a snowflake, unique. We're special before with gifts and abilities and talents, but through Christ, we become something brand new. And it's because we matter to God. And so I think we matter because of the reason why we were created, to have an eternal relationship with him and, and the way we were created. But finally, the job he entrusted us to do shows what he thought of us. He gave us the job of managing the whole world. It's quite remarkable if you think about it. I mean, God is in charge of everything. Like, he's the, he, he runs everything. But he gave Adam and Eve their marching orders. He said, I want you to, to, to take charge of it all. Consider what that reflects in terms of trust. The high attitude that God had for Adam and Eve, even in their ability to do it, it showed something special. I remember the first time that our parents left my three brothers and me home alone and they took off and they said really two things. One is don't burn down the place and second, clean up after yourselves. But I remember what that felt like the moment they left. Like, are you serious? You're trusting this to four teenage boys. And they did. And I remember how special we felt at that, that they really trusted us with this amazing responsibility to us. It seemed any amazing, amazing at the time. And of course, God entrusted everything to us. In verse 28 of Genesis 1 again, it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Go at it, run it all. David put it this way in Psalm 8. It's one of my favorite psalms. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is man that you remember him? The son of man that you look after him. You made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him Lord over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet crowned him with honor and glory. God crafted this guy and his wife and said, it's all yours and he, you are of, over everything. Run it all. Do a good job with it, by the way. There is a case for us to manage this world well and responsibly. But it shows that we matter to God. And so I think it's because of the reason and the relationship. It's because of the way he created us with such tender, loving care, the forming of us, and then the job he entrusted us to do. But what do we do with this? Well, there could be some different applications depending on where you're at. For some of us, I just think we need to change the way we think God sees us. I do not believe that many times we view ourselves the way God does. I think we'd be shocked if we knew what God really thought of us. And we don't realize how much our God loves us. I'm convinced, by the way, if you'd been the only one created, Jesus would have died just for you. I, I think we matter that much to God, but we don't see ourselves through that lens. We don't realize how special we were with the initial creation of all things. And, 
and, and how much even more through the death of Christ, how valuable we are to our God. He, he's just crazy about us, and I think for some of us, that's it. I think another application here is to get to know this God. If it's truly about a relationship, if, it, if we were really created for a relationship with God, do you realize that you can have the same kind of relationship with your creator that the people that you read about in the Bible had? And more and more, this has been real to me as I've been reading stories and I see like how David was so tight with God. And lately my prayer has been something like, Lord, I know that you are the God of David, but you're my God too. I know you the same way Abraham did. Abraham believed and so have I. And we have the ability to draw close to God and to walk with God, and to me that's very encouraging. The last thing I wanna mention is this, that I, I, I encourage you as I do many times to get in the Bible. We're gonna be covering this throughout the summer, of course, going through the whole story here, but the main reason I encourage people to read the Bible is that you learn what God is like. It's, it's not about just learning the Bible. You know, it's not about just learning the Bible stories and this and that. You learn what God is like. As you read the pages of the Bible, you, you, you not only hear what the Bible says or what the various authors say about God, that helps us understand what he's like, but especially you watch. As you read the stories, you're watching how he treated this person and that. You see how he dealt with the nation of Israel. You learn what God is like. This is important, especially in our culture today, because I'm running into more and more people that are fashioning their God in their own image. They say, well, I don't think God would do this. I don't think God is like that. And people have all kinds of opinions about what God is like, and most people craft God in their image, a very flawed God. God is not like we are in many ways. His ways are not our ways. When it comes to understanding what he's like, I'm not trusting in my opinion, my ideas. I'm going to the source there and trying to learn what our God is like. Now, next week, we want to continue this journey as we make our way through the story of us. Let's pray. Father, we uh, don't even understand all that it means to be created in your image and, and this idea that you created us as eternal beings expressly so that we might spend an eternity with you. I pray no one here misses out on that, that everyone, O oh Lord, here would come to a place of putting their trust in Jesus to be their savior so that our sin could be removed and we could be restored to you and the relationship can move forward and grow. We ask you to help us with these things, help us to see our value. Help us, O oh Lord, to, to trust you more and more as we learn what you're like. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.